so much. Father, we praise you and give you honor and glory in this hour in which you have called us. We have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. That means we're equipped with what we need to do here. Father, to do your will, to finish your work here on the earth. We honor you tonight and give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' wonderful and holy name. And thank you, Father, for what Jesus has accomplished, for the freedom and for the liberty of the sons of God, for the salvation, bringing us and making us a member of the household of God. We honor you tonight in your house, among your people, and love you and thank you and bless you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that will give us the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you, that we may know who you are and what you have for us in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray again. Amen. It's a joy to be here. Thank you so much, Bill, it's, uh, and all the elders for having me here. Uh, as uh, our brother said, I originally come from Iran. I was born and raised in a very radical home. My father was a Muslim scholar. So ever since I was a child, I learned to practice the Islamic law, or known as Sharia. And uh, I fasted and prayed. I prayed, uh, if I had to learn the prayer, all Muslims are commanded to pray in Arabic language. And uh, coming from Iran, Persian or Farsi is the language of the country. So Arabic is actually, Persian is closer to English than to Arabic. So I had to learn the prayer by heart. And five sessions every day, I had to pray that prayer. One was before the sunrise every morning. And that was the toughest one. Because I'm not a morning person, so I missed it often. And if you missed the prayer, you had to do extra to catch up. Uh, so I got a big, big uh, debt to God. I had to pray every day, many, many times. And uh, I fasted uh, as a Muslim. A Muslim uh, must fast the month of Ramadan, 30 days. Uh, as long as the sun is up, they're not allowed to eat and drink. Uh, well, thank God I heard the gospel when I went to Sweden. Because in north of Sweden, the sun doesn't go down for six months. <laughs> That's why there are no Muslims there, you see. I guess the God of Muhammad didn't know that condition of the earth. And, and so uh, I was very zealous for God. Muslims are extremely zealous for God. As a matter of fact, I hope I don't offend you tonight, but I'm going to try. But uh, Muslim, uh, the zeal that I have seen among Muslims, I am yet to see among Christians. I think we take a lot of things for granted. And uh, uh, Muslims, they don't have what we have. They don't know what we know. And they do, and they operate according to the light they have. And so, uh, you know, I didn't know. I... As a Muslim, I was told that the gospel has been tahrifed or it's been corrupted. Uh, they believe that the gospel was corrupted. This is not what Jesus brought. And so uh, they have no, they respect it as a book, but they don't respect it as a solid foundational teaching or doctrine. So I met some Christians uh, first in the country of Sweden, and uh, for the first time they handed me a Bible in my Persian language. And reading the Bible was extremely interesting especially the four Gospels, the healing of Jesus. I was so fascinated by what Jesus did. And so the more I read the Bible, the more I felt confused because I was extremely zealous. And uh, 
because I started reading the Bible to find fault in it, and the more I read it, the more I loved it. And so uh, these Christians that approached me, they looked extremely naive looking, you know. I didn't know what to call them. There was this tall Swedish guy, wore jeans. I thought, no, that doesn't fit the picture of what I see of priests in the, in the movie. So I kept calling them father. They said, don't call us father. <laughs> and uh, that's all I knew about Christianity. And so they took me to their homes and loved on me, fed me, and had me involved with their Bible study. And I told them I'm interested, and I was lying about it. I want to take advantage of them. And so after several months, six months, I was, the more I read the Bible, the more I met these people, the more confused I became. And it came to a place where at night I was afraid. Fear got hold of me. Fear is one of the foundation of Islam, Islamic faith. And so I couldn't sleep at night without having a light on in my little apartment, student apartment in Sweden. So one night I prayed. I said, Jesus, are you what the Bible says you are? Are you the Son of God? If you are, manifest yourself to me in person, and I will give you my life. And so I asked for an appearance. You know, Jesus said uh, to a man who approached him in John chapter 4, he said, you people by no means will believe unless you see signs and wonders. Well, that's the case with Muslims. Muslims have to see signs and wonders. And so that night I prayed, went to bed. I got up 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a summertime, sun rises early. And I got up early before the sun rushed to do my morning prayer. And I'm half asleep and I'm sitting on my bed. And I hear the voice of God for the first time in my life. And that voice said to me, Reza, you do not need to pray like this anymore. Your sins are forgiven you. And it wasn't what so much of what I heard that touched my heart. It was what I felt on the inside. Along with that voice came something that emptied my inside out. It was like somebody put their hand into my gut and just yank out all that guilt and burden and trying to please God. And to be honest with you, for the first time in my life, I put my head on that pillow and I slept like a little baby. And when I woke up, I didn't feel bad about missing the morning prayer. <laughs> I had a greater struggle for a year even after that day. Sometimes I would lock my door and still do my prayer, uh, according to the Islamic law, because I was afraid that God's going to hack me in two pieces and send me to hell. And uh, just like I said, fear is the dominating force in the Islamic world, and that fear has to be broken if we are to see a great result in the Islamic world. You know, when it comes to Middle East, and by the way, I have my testimony in several books. Uh, in 1990, the, I was living in Sweden, had a tremendous ministry around the world. We did crusade ministry, and and the Lord said to me, he said, give your house to the church, pack your bags, go to America, I have a plan for you. And we did that, I came to America, and uh, uh, of all, all places, I landed in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And I understand why they call it Broken Arrow. <laughs> I believe the people that got settled there, their will broke down and they couldn't go any further. That's why they call them settlers. <laughs> and so I became a settler, you know. By the way, I've lived more in Oklahoma than I lived in Iran, so I'm more an Oki. I'm, I'm even mixing my I's and E's, you know. And uh, so anyhow, uh, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, the Lord spoke to me. He said, prepare yourself. A great move is coming in the Islamic world, and you will have a great part in it. And so I started praying day and night. 
I think I prayed for somewhere around 10 years. And continued after 10 years, I had this vision about the uh, broadcast, TV broadcast into the Middle East that I will share with you tomorrow and show you a video tomorrow morning. If you want to know about it, you need to be here tomorrow morning. So, uh, but this prayer in me, it renewed my mind about the Islamic world. And uh, in 1995, the Lord said to me, write a book about Islam. I said, no, I won't. He said, yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, how many of you have won an argument with Jesus? Impossible. Impossible. And if you raise your hand, you're lying. Because he is God that does not change his mind. What he says it, it's impossible to change. So it took me a while. It took me actually a year to obey that word. And I finally wrote this book because I was afraid for my life. At that time, I didn't have the knowledge of the scripture that I have today. And, uh, well, in 1995, they sold out 3,000 copies. I said to the Lord, I said, I told you so. <laughs> but uh, he doesn't listen to me. Anyhow, so uh, after 9-11, they sold that 30,000 copies in three weeks of this book. Became the bestseller. translated in many languages. I encourage you to get this if you want to. It's very easy read, and many of our politicians, our senators have it, and uh, so it will, it will help you. Uh, my recent book, I've written several books on Islam. The recent one is called The Coming Fall of Islam in Iran. And this is a little more heavy read if you're uh, into studying deep stuff. This is the book for you. I actually talk about the Muslim Brotherhood that now is uh, uh, kind of a, a power factor in Egypt. And you will know what's going to happen. This is a very important book. And then those of you, uh, how many of you were in that Christian debate that I had with Jamal Badawi here in Tulsa? And uh, after that, uh, they spent 20, Islamic uh, Society of Tulsa spent $25,000 to bring him to town for me to whip him. And so, <laughs> and he's supposed to be one of the best scholars in the Western Hemisphere. And apparently they don't, want to, they don't want to debate me any longer because I want to debate them on the life of Muhammad. I'm actually writing a book called 1,000 Reasons. I'm giving 1,000 reasons from the Quran and the Hadith, which is Muhammad's tradition, why Muhammad could not be a prophet of God. I'm using their own scripture to show how much contradiction is among themselves in their own scripture. And uh, I think I'm going to, I don't know when I'm going to print that book out, but whatever the Lord tells me. But my recent book about Christians and Christianity is called Redemption and Unknown Inheritance. I wish you all would get, grab a hold of this book. A Baptist preacher in Florida got hold of this book, read it 16 times. He said, up to this point, up to reading this book, I didn't know anything about the gospel. And he gave up his position as eldership of the church because he said, we practice so much against the gospel after he read this book. And now he's on fire for God. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. His wife got filled with the Holy Ghost. And now he's actually pastoring a church we started in Southwest Florida. I believe with all of my heart that 80% of what we hear these days in churches, with all due respect to your church, and you have to correct me otherwise by reading this book and other books I've written about Christianity, I believe we need a second reformation in the church. I believe many of our practices contradict the new covenant. Most of our doctrines is based on a combination of the Old and the New Testament. 
most preachers today preach more on the Old Testament characters, just like Brother Ramin says back there at the book table, he wanted to commit suicide back in Iran, watched our program and got saved by touching the TV. While he's asking the Lord to come in his heart, he started speaking with other tongues. He had never heard the word tongues anywhere before. And then came, uh, lay hands on his mother. His mother got healed. Brand new Muslim. Came out of Iran, was persecuted. Somebody stabbed him. And he came out of Iran, ran to Turkey. And then from Turkey, he came here. And now he works at our office and translates programming to Farsi language for us to broadcast. He said to me, he said, he said he's heard more pe- preaching on Goliath and David than on Jesus. And he said to me, how many years have you been a believer? Five years. Ramin told me, he said, but I read when Paul says, he says, when I came among you, I did not want to know anything but Jesus and him crucified. I didn't want to preach anything but Jesus and him crucified. Why is the Islamic world in such a rage right now? It's because we have kept the light away from them. Darkness exists. Why? It's because you put out the light. Don't believe me? Turn off these lights and you'll see darkness will take over instantly. But if you want to take over darkness, light has a capacity that penetrates darkness and overpowers it. In him was life. The life was the light of man. Light shines in the darkness. And darkness have no power. Could not, cannot overpower. Impossible. It is so offensive to me, and not to me. Who am I? I think it's offensive to Jesus, and he's a spirit. When I have seminar on Islam, and Christians ask me, aren't you afraid for your life? I'm thinking, what? I'm afraid for my life. I thought, I thought the scripture says, when we accepted him, I thought Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I no longer live. I thought he said I was crucified with Christ. Man, it's mighty quiet here tonight. I didn't want to start off this rough. I thought let's warm him up a little bit, but, you know, I grew up radical Shiite, so what, what else can you expect from me? And so uh, I believe our mind is not in accordance to the Scripture, although the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, that we have the mind of Christ. What does it mean? It means that I can think like Jesus thought. Exact same thought. Jesus was a superman everywhere he walked. Not because he was the son of God, because Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he left his privileges as a son. He couldn't, he couldn't have saved you and me if he came in the, in the uh, glory of a son of God. Nobody could approach him, much less they, much less they crucify him. He came as a son of David, as a son of man. In that son of man, he was a conqueror. He was an overcomer. He did not need to overcome Satan in any stances because he was master and Lord. All things were created for him and through him and by him. He was in the beginning and in him all things consist. You remember how the devils fell before him and cried out? If he overcame the devil, he came, he overcame him for your sake and my sake. So when he walked on the earth, he walked in perfect union with the Father. 
he said in several stances in John, he says, I cannot say anything of myself, but that which I hear, the Father says it. John chapter 5, verse 19, he says, The Son can do nothing of himself except that which he sees the Father does. He does in like manner. I.e., nothing that I do, it's of myself, of my glory and power. It's all of the Father. And then in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, As the Father sent me, so I send you. What does it mean? I am in the same set of shoes that he was in. I'm walking on the earth in the same as Paul was, as Peter was. I was crucified with Christ. Fear means lack of the knowledge of God's will and God's word in my life. It's impossible for someone who walks with God, because the scripture says, if God is with me, who can be against me? As a matter of fact, you know, I've been to several cities where the whole city want to kill me. I was in Kyrgyzstan, the whole city of Bishkek, Muslim, want to kill me. And when they attacked me on the platform, something on the inside of me kicked to the five gear. You got a five gear in you? Your car has it, but do you? It kicked in the fifth gear. I felt like a giant. I felt like I was 50 feet tall. And I'm not kidding you. I felt the most the strongest man there is. Something on the inside of me went to another zoning. I was, I, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. One amen would help us there tonight, but <laughs> I thought I was, I was spitting out scripture, but anyhow. Uh, so this idea, because we don't have the mind of Christ. What mind do we have? The mind of the world. We have the mind of CNN and Fox Station. At best, a Catholic man is telling us his ideas. And we think in accordance to what they tell us. They talk about Ahmadinejad, he made few statements, and we judge an entire nation according to one man making some statements. Know nothing about what God is doing. Have no understanding of what God is doing and who those people are and what do they ask, what do they want. And so we lump him up in one lump. You know what the scripture says? The scripture says the mind of the world, the mind of flesh, Romans chapter 8. He says the, the carnal mind is death. That's why we fear Islamic world. That's why we're confused about it. Why? We don't have, we don't think like Jesus. Did you know Jesus was never caught by surprise anywhere at any time? Why? He knew the mind of God at all times. That's why he was master. If he was in the storm, he was a superman. If he faced lack, he was a superman. If he faced the grave of Lazarus, he was a superman. He knew God's mind at every instance, at every position. He was a master man. He was a master of his condition and circumstances. He was the master of all satanic and demonic forces. And today all I hear from preachers, the devil is after this, the devil is this, the devil is that. And so we live a life in a cocoon, forgive me, but you know I want to wake us up a little bit before I give you all these verses, otherwise I'm going to scare you with what I'm giving you. So I've got to build you up a little bit, a little roughly. But uh, uh, this mind that we have, it's the mind of the world. Fear is the mind of the world. 
Fear means lack of the knowledge of God's will. That's what disciples said to Jesus when they were in the Lake of Galilee. They said, oh, we're perishing. You know, it would be impossible for that water to swallow Jesus. Why? Because Isaiah prophesied that he will die outside of a hill, outside of the city of Jerusalem on a hill. It would be impossible for that water to kill Jesus. It would be impossible for that boat to sink with Jesus being in it. If Jesus is in a boat, it's absolutely un- 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 unsinkable. It couldn't sink him. He knew God's will. He got up. He said, what's wrong with you people? Sit down. Settle down. And all he had to do just to speak to the storm. Did you know the apostles could do it the same? But they didn't know the mind of God. They did later on. Some of them. But we need to renew our mind according to the light of the gospel. Why is such a rage in the Islamic world? You know, I foresaw this seven, eight years ago, and I taught it in my seminars, that four nations will fall into the hand of radical Islam. Pakistan, Egypt, Algeria, and Saudi Arabia. I didn't see the other countries like Bahrain and Libya and all these others. And of course, they they don't play that much role uh, worldwide. But these four countries are absolutely vital. I believe the fourth one, Saudi Arabia, will be the last one. Because if that country falls, 40% of our oil comes from Saudi Arabia. And this idea of electrical cars, listen, folks, airplane doesn't fly with battery charging. You charge the battery and fly in it. Those jet planes that they fly over the Middle East on, on those tankers, they don't fly by electrical power. So... All it takes is just several of those nations fall into the hand of radical Islam and we'll be eating one another in this country. We'll be chaos in this land. With the world, the world system is dominating this land. It'll be chaos. The only remedy is the gospel. Did you know out of the 200 churches we contact, we possibly concerning what God is doing in Iran, they say as many as 6 to 7 million Muslims have come to Christ for the past six years since we started the broadcast. And even more than that. I'd like to say more, but I cannot because those stats are uh, impossible for us to recognize it. We only calculate it according to the number of calls we get. Out of 200 churches, I contact only one respond to us. I've been so discouraged lately, not in my spirit, but in churches. I said, you know what, Lord? I don't like to use the word the heck, but... I was to that point to use the heck with them. I'm going to go and start selling hand dryers that I could raise money and preach the gospel. This is so far away from the gospel we have walked away. You know what the scripture says? Jesus said, uh, Paul says that God has given unto us the what? The ministry and the word, not just the ministry of it, but the word of reconciliation. The Lord has appeared in many of our crusades, but in none of our crusades, Jesus ever taught the gospel to anyone. He always, we've got so many testimonies in Iran, the Lord appears to 90% of the people that call us. We get about 300 calls every week. And that's anywhere between 3 to 6% of all responses. Ninety percent of those who call, they have seen Jesus either in a dream, in a vision, or in an in a open appearance. The Lord has appeared to them. And in every instance, the Lord tells them to tune into our station. 
amazing. He doesn't tell them to tune into other stations. <laughs> but he asked them to tune into our station. The angels appear before people. One man, somebody woke him up 3 o'clock in the morning. He thought it was his brother. He says, 3 o'clock in the morning, go to bed, I want to sleep. He says, get up, get up, you need to do something. And so finally he wakes up, all the lights in the house was on. His brother wasn't in the house. He goes in the living room, the, the TV was on, and I was preaching Jesus. And he sat there and he accepted Jesus. He called his brother, he said, man, thank you for coming over and turning the lights on. He said, I've never been to your house today. It was God's angel who came. God hasn't given this ministry to them, but to you and I. If the Islamic world is in a rage, you know why? If Egypt is in a rage, do you know why? Because we haven't preached the gospel. The darkness exists because Jesus said, you are? What? The light of the world. He didn't say, you are a light. If it was a light, I wouldn't say the heck with them. I may not get to preach tomorrow morning. I get one chance. I want to hit you as hard as I can and then run. He says, you did light. That puts an amazing responsibility on me. And did you know God would never get me to carry a load that is beyond my ability? Have you ever asked your two-year-old to carry this chair from here to over there? And then you blame him. What's wrong with you? Why can't you carry this chair? When my kids were little, I, had a, I gave him the dime. And I said, I, I, I thought, I've got to get my money out of these guys. I'm going to spend a million dollars by the time they grow up and out of college. So I said, come here. You massage my left foot, you massage my right foot. I got a daughter and a, and a son. Pay them a dime. It worked for a few years. After a few years, they became wise. They said, we're not massaging you anymore. <laughs> I said to him, I said, now, if you have kids, you send the kids over. That's what I'm going to do with those kids. <laughs> See, God wouldn't ask you to do something that would be beyond you. That means you have the capacity. Listen, one woman. Elderly lady in the city of, I think it was in Jenks. This lady is in Jenks. She found out about the, the, the Islamic, after 9-11, she was so concerned. She got on the websites of all the Islamic world, started studying Islam. One grandma from state of Oklahoma. And she, she dug in, she dug in, she dug in. And she gave me a lot of information, actually, on my debate. This lady found a camp of terrorist activity in Enid, Oklahoma. FBI didn't know anything about it. I told FBI about it, and they went and searched out the camp and shut it down or something. One elderly woman, one grandma, did something, could have stopped, protect the lives of probably many people. Every single one of us, we carry a responsibility in these last days. Because Islam is coming up, and I promise you, I know these people inside out. They're coming up strong. Back in Iran, we used to say, never slap a man that has more than four brothers. <laughs> because if you slap one, make sure you get ready to slap them all. You know, the more you fight radical Islam, the more of them you have to fight. I've said this, I know I will offend some of our people with all due respect. There's no way we can win the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Impossible. I said that years ago to our people. 
I said, you go into that war in Afghanistan, especially Afghanistan, and, and, and you kill those Shiite in Iraq, 60% Shiite. They've been oppressed by Saddam over 40 years. You touch them, they'll come with all their strength against you. They'll pack their bomb, their kids with bomb, and they will come against you. One of the bombing they recently reported was a man who took his child, opened his, I mean, there's some of the stuff I can't even talk about. Opened the stomach or the leg of the child and packed it with bomb, and the, the kid is bleeding, rushed it to the hospital. They let him come into the hospital so he could blow himself, the child, and everyone in that hospital. What is it? That's the mind of Satan. That's death, destruction. Unless you act like that, you cannot beat them physically. If you're willing to kill 1.5 billion people, it would be impossible for us to physically win the battle against radical Islam. The only way we can win it, God has ordained it from the foundation of the world, is through preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There was a man, we actually have had several suicide bombers who got saved. One of them, there's a paramilitary group in Iran, 10,000 members, suicide bombers. The government pays everything for them, their retirement, their uh, uh, insurance for family, life insurance, kids' college, everything, the whole package. All they have to do, pack themselves with bomb and go to Iraq or Afghanistan and, and fight against American troops or anywhere else. One of them, he was watching our program. He said, I've been crying for one week. I have registered. I've signed up. I cannot kill people anymore. He said, there is no hatred in me. What is it? God's life coming to him and changing him. He didn't go through no classes. I didn't have discipleship classes. It was one week that he accepted Jesus. But Jesus said, he who has the son has God's Zoe life in him. Instantly that person changes from hatred to life, from hatred to love, from death to, from darkness to light, and from death to life. Instantly there is a change in their hearts. He said, Brother Reza, he said, Pastor, I want to come out. I want to flee the country. And I've got a lot of information about these people. Get me out of here. I thought, you know what, I could get him out. i got enough resources inside of the country and outside to get him out. But I thought, you know what, this is, a, this, is a, this is a package that U.S. government could use. So I called our senator, Senator Inhofe. Senator Inhofe contacted the uh, uh, State Department. State Department took him two weeks to get back with me. And two young kids from college came. And these guys acted like they know everything. I want to slap him. I thought... I don't tell you what I felt, but I was, so, I was so upset. So they interviewed me, and they left. They said, we'll get back to you. It took them two months to get back with me. Oh, they couldn't identify this thing. Identify suicide bomber, 10,000 of them. And they had to go through so many ranks. That was it. The man, we lost the man. Because if you don't go, they'll kill you. They killed him. And I've got many examples to tell you. And I'm thinking, that's... Politics is not the way. Our government cannot do this. That's not up to them. Thank God for what they're doing. Thank God for what the FBI is doing. Thank God for all of our armed forces, whatever they're doing. But I'm telling you, it's up to the church. This is a religious thing. This is a, in the heart of man. I, as a radical Muslim, I had to do everything. I used to go in the streets and beat my back with chain for a whole month. 
I would come home and my, my shoulder blade would bleed so I could please God. There is no salvation for them. So that's why they have to kill in order to be accepted. And so we're coming to a very strong time. And the church is only a remedy, but is the church moving toward it? I'm running a network of TV network with nine people, folks. It's ridiculous. A TV station, any TV station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the, the, the least of them got about two, 300 people running it. I'm running a network with nine people. Most of them are part-time. Rosa used to come to our office. She knows. You'd volunteer to, to, to do stuff for us. What is it? The church needs to wake up. I don't know. Probably not. What do you think? Okay. We're somewhere there. Uh, you know, when I was talking to Bill, Bill said, Raza, I don't want people to be afraid. And I understand that because a lot of places when I teach these things, just like I said, because we don't have the mind of Christ, we let fear come in. But fear is the lack of the knowledge of God's will. Do you all think Jesus overcame? You sure? Do you think Jesus overcame Islamic spirit? Okay, then uh, let's stick with that word. Let's believe that he who is in us is what? Is greater than he who is in the world. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You know, some of the people that want to kill me are now, are some, of, some of them are our pastors in Iran. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I had a man call me. He says, brother, he said, Pastor Reza, my wife hates your guts. He wants to kill you. And uh, he had accepted the Lord through the TV program. He says, I cannot watch your TV if she's around. I pray that she goes out so I could watch your program. I said to him, I said, just love on her. You know, she needs to see the love of God in you. She needs to see a change in you. And so one day he said, I came home and I opened the door and there my wife is sitting watching you, laying hands on the TV. Because at the end of the program, I usually say, lay your hands on praying for you. And she's weeping like a little baby. Accepted the Lord that day. He said, now she... When, she, when you come on, she shuts off all the doors. She says, nobody moves. Nobody can say, say a word because she has to listen to me. You see, God can change people's hearts. The power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to start something and then tomorrow we're going to go into... Uh, you see, knowledge is the key. Uh, I think knowledge is, knowledge is... Knowledge affirms us. Knowledge builds us. Knowledge gives us the strength, ability... It's like a, driving a car and halfway in the highway your car stops. You get out, you don't know what to push. You don't know which car. They say, open the trunk. You don't know what trunk is. <laughs> they say, open the hood. You say, what hood? <laughs> uh, not neighborhood, but the hood of the car. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. So you're stranded in the middle of the highway. But if a mechanic is stopped, because he has the knowledge, no fear grabs his heart. There's no fear in him. He knows where to go. He knows exactly where the problem is by listening to that engine. And he's got tools with him, and he'll fix that right there and get, get back on his way. In other words, knowledge is ability. If I know, I'm strong. So number one thing we have to do, we have to get knowledge. 
No, no longer can we put our head into the sand like that old ostrich and he said there are no lions around. Like President Obama, he's wishing that these people are not radicals. He's changing the title for him. He's saying they're nice, they're nice Muslims. And we're going to shake their hands and we're going to be their friends. But radical Islam is not after shaking your hand. If I shook your hand and you were anything but a, a true Muslim, I had to go scrub my hand real good because you were unclean. And according to Islam, an unclean person must be, must be killed. The radical Islam is after taking over this land. And they'll do anything to do it. America is number one in their target. So, therefore, it's important for us to have knowledge. Okay. You have, if you could put this on. Let me see here. Uh, you know, I have a list of countries that uh, all the incidents of... Uh, uh, Islamic terrorism that took place uh, in the 80s, in the 70s, and they were far in between. They were so far from one another, every incident. But uh, today, they, there is actually a site on the website, if you go on there, say, number of incidents of radical Islam. And they're like over a thousand pieces of radical Islamic movement by killing people that is taking place today around the world. Just in 20 years time, we came from an incident happening a time here and a time three years later. Now it's happening on a daily basis. That tells us that something is on the rise and we need to know what it is. Let me start it like this. Let me talk about Islam first. What is Islam? Let's see here. Do we see that, or do I need to put this on? We see it now. Okay. Islam, I, I wish you would all have pen and pencil and write some of the information I'm giving you, uh, because they say only 30... 10 to 30% of what you hear you will contain. You will lose 70% of the information you hear tonight. Uh, Islam, or Islam, or however you say it, it's correct, means submission or surrender. It's an Arabic word. It comes from the root Arabic word taslim, means surrender. A Muslim or Musliman means the one who surrenders to Islam or a follower of the religion of Islam. So Islam is the religion. And... Uh, Muslim is a follower of that religion. A tribe in Arabia came to Muhammad and they said, we believe in Allah. In Surah chapter 49, now when we say Surah, Surah means chapter. There are 114 Surahs in the Quran. And these uh, Surahs are not in chronological order as we have in the Bible. In the Bible we have from Adam, from the creation of man, all the way to Revelation, the end of man history. And everything is in order. In the Quran, they put the longest surah first and the shortest surah last. And there is no order. You don't know which comes first. These verses, Muhammad received his revelation by verses coming to him by various means. In a period of 22 years. And in these 22 years, 22, 23 years. These 22 years, uh, these revelations came by various means. Sometimes an angel appeared to him, called himself Gabriel and gave him revelation, he would fall down to the ground, gnash his teeth, and become very rigid. 
become almost epileptic. He gets a seizure, epileptic seizure. He becomes extremely afraid. And he would run home and he would ask his wife to cover him with a blanket because he was extremely afraid because revelation came to him. So revelation came to him by fear. So you can understand that spirit of fear. Uh, Fear is a spirit because the scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. It's a demon force. So you could see from beginning that Muhammad's received his revelation by the uh, ability of a demon. Somebody could give me a glass of water. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, by, by demonic forces. Uh, the desert Arabs say, we believe. Say, you have no faith, but you only say we have submitted our wills to Allah. For not yet has faith entered your hearts, but if you obey Allah and his messenger, he will not belittle, blah, blah, blah. Uh, a Muslim is not a Muslim unless he fully obeys the commandment of the Quran. Therefore, radical Muslims do not consider other Muslims Muslims. I was just on a, on a program, Iranian program, and one of these uh, radical Muslims called, and he said, Sunni people are not Muslims. As you know, there are four divisions within Islam. Sunni are the, are the largest group, and the Shiite. Uh, which majority in Iran and in uh, Lebanon and also in Iraq, and 60% also in uh, Bahrain. And uh, 80% of Muslim world are, are Sunni. But this man said Sunni people are not Muslim and they need to be killed. So according to a Muslim, unless a Muslim commit himself, surrender himself completely to the Islamic law, he's not a true Muslim. Here are some stats about Islamic world. There are 1.3, some say 1.5. Thank you very much. 1.5 billion Muslim in the world, roughly one-fifth of the world's population. Not all Muslims are Arabs, and not all Arabs are Muslims. You know, in Egypt, for instance, there are 20% Christian Arabs, uh, Coptic Arabs. You have Armenian Christians, uh, like Palestinians, many of them are Armenian, like Benny Heen. He's an Armenian-Palestinian. He's an Arab. And so not all Arabs are Muslims, and not all Muslims are Arabs. You have uh, many countries that are, not, uh, that are not Arab nations, but they're Islamic. There are 21 Arab nations. And you can see uh, the map. Most of them are around the Gulf, uh, Persian Gulf. Here are in Arab nations, we have in North Africa, Algeria, Morocco, Libya, Egypt, Mauritania, Djibouti, Somalia, Sudan, Tunisia, Comoros. Middle East, you have Bahrain that are now, trouble is going on there. The Shiites are rising up against the, the monarch in the country. Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Jordan, Kuwait, Oman, Lebanon, Qatar, Syria, United Arab Emirates, Yemen, and of course, Palestinians. Uh, there are about 200 million Arabs, 20% of the Muslim population. So Arabs are the, uh, the minimum or of the Islamic world, if you would, the, the smaller percentage. Uh, here are some countries, Indonesia, 240 million, the largest Islamic world. And again, they're not Arabs, but they're Muslims, 88% Muslim. Bangladesh, 141 million, 83% Muslim. India, 110 million Muslims there. 12% Muslim, Iran, 75, 80 million, 99% Muslim, and Pakistan, 159 million Muslim. They say in Pakistan, 10 to 30% are radicals. That's a lot of radicals to deal with. 
uh, very serious people there in uh, the, the system of belief that they have. John tells us, believe, believe, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the, this is the, the scale, if you would. This is how we test these spirits. What do they confess? As Jesus appeared in the flesh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father. So here, John tells us this is the spirit that denies the, that Jesus appeared in the flesh. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who is them here? Spirits, the Antichrist spirits, which include Islamic spirits. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John tells us the same thing, that uh, we know it's the last hour because these spirits, Antichrist and spirit, have come. And so, don't want to take time with that. Uh, talks about that we have overcome and Antichrist denied Jesus. And, uh, you know, the word anti in Greek does not mean against, but instead of. That's why Islam says Christianity is good, but not good enough for salvation. Muhammad is the last one. Jesus was only a prophet lowering in rank than Muhammad. And so they don't deny it completely, but they deny several major issues here. Number one, they deny Jesus... uh, the deity of Jesus. So out of these verses, we understand Islam is a religious spirit, is an antichrist spirit, because it denies the deity of Jesus. Here is Surah chapter 4, verse 171. O people of the book, there are five people with books. On top of them are the Jews and the Christians and Muslims. So now he's talking to us here. O people of the book, commit no excesses in your religion, nor say of Allah but the truth. Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, was no more than an apostle of Allah, and his word which he bestowed on Mary, and a spirit proceeding from him, so believe in Allah and his apostles. In verse 171, it says, Say not Trinity, desist, it will be better for you, for Allah is one Allah, glory be to him. Far exalted is he above having a son. Far exalted is he above having a son. Right there it tells you Allah and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ are not the same God. Because our God has a Son, and their God doesn't. Amen. Amen. So don't believe we believe in the same God, and we're worshiping the same God. There is no such a thing. To Him belong, blah, blah, blah. Surah chapter 5, verse 72. They do blasphemes, talking about Christians, who say Allah, or God, is Christ the Son of Mary. But said Christ, or children of Israel, worship Allah, my Lord and your Lord. Actually, they say Jesus was the best Muslim there is. That's interesting. Muhammad came 570 years after Jesus, but Jesus was the best Muslim. Okay. Uh, it says, Allah, it says, whoever joins other gods with Allah. Now, that's, that's one major issue. In Arabic, it's called shirk, or uh, somebody who considers partners to God, like Christians, because they believe we believe in three gods. 
Actually, the Quran says we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and Mary. Sometimes another verse is Gabriel. It confuses Gabriel with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of confusion. Even in what they're saying, they're not consistent in what, what the Quran says. So here you see the fire will be, fire will be his abode, talking about Christians, for wrongdoers and, and for Christians, for those who there will be no help. Surah 5, 73. They do blaspheme who say Allah is one of three in the Trinity, for there is no one, no God, except one Allah. If they desist not from the word of blasphemy, verily a grievous penalty will befall the blasphemers among them. Now he's threatening them physically. And that's what he did in his time in Medina. By the time Muhammad died, there was not a single Christian or Jew that had not converted, that lived in the Arabian Peninsula. This idea of democracy, let Muslims live next door neighbor, it's a false idea. It's deception, it's a lie, it's impossible. Actually, I started the other, the other week, uh, you know, I saw this several years ago about the fall of Egypt, and as I'm listening to all of these political people and our senators, I'm thinking, they don't know what they're talking about. So I went downstairs to my office and I started a book on Islam and democracy, which is impossible. It is impossible to have democracy in an Islamic nation. There is not a single nation among the 51 Islamic nations where democracy is possible. The best of them that they brag about is Turkey. And Turkey is a military, Ataturk installed a military force, the military, protect the constitution from Sharia law. But even in that country, you cannot get up and say Muhammad is not of God. They cut your head right there in the middle of that street. Impossible for democracy to exist in an Islamic world. Surah chapter 5, verse 75. Christ, the son of Mary, was no more than an apostle. Many were the apostles that passed away before him. His mother was a woman of truth. They had both to eat their... He goes on and says the stuff. Notice it says, yet, yet see in what ways they are deluded away from the truth. So the moment you talk to a Muslim... He instantly is ranking you with those who are deluded away from the truth. He shut the door of his heart before even you start speaking. That's why it takes longer for Muslims, unless you power manifest the power of God before them, to shut them up, to re recognize. You know, they say 50 million people watch my program every day. Whether those numbers are correct, I don't know. But out of the stats, that's the number we've got. I have had, I had a professor of the, the most prestigious Islamic university in Iran call me, the, the, the Islamic scholarship. He said, he said, he said, Mr. Reza Sapo, he said, I have organized a class in my university, in my, in my lecture, to discuss what you teach on your broadcast with my students. I said, good, <laughs> keep doing it. He was so respectful to me, and I thought, isn't that amazing? Although they hate you, but they love what you say. Because what they say in our broadcast, they don't see it among the Ayatollahs. I show crusade footage from crusade, the blind eyes opening, lame are walking. That interests them. That intrigues them. This we haven't heard. Muhammad did no miracle, but they know about the miracles of Jesus. And majority of them, even though they haven't believed it, they call for answer for a miracle to receive a miracle. So you see, God has given us a tool to reach out to the Islamic world. I've asked the Lord to heal six million Iranians 
through our broadcast. And wherever on this planet I travel, and if you go on our website, there is a scroll of testimonies just constantly rolling. Hundreds and hundreds of testimonies of people receiving their healings of all kinds of diseases. People that have been drug addicts for 30 years, 40 years, an entire family of drug addicts coming to Christ and instantly getting delivered by the power of God. What is it? Paul said the gospel is God's power. Stop right there. The gospel, if you preach it as it is, don't add your stuff to it. The gospel, the moment it comes out of your mouth, God goes out there to touch him and change him instantly. Hallelujah. See, that's, that's the mastering power. That's the overcoming power. When I was in, in Kyrgyzstan, I told you earlier about that they attacked me on the platform the second night. When I landed there, I, I came to the airport or to the hotel, and as I was reading my name to get into the hotel, this is the first time I may remind you that anyone comes to this country and preaches the gospel. First time an open-air crusade is being kept. This is 1990. Nobody had been there before me. The only church in town is a uh, Pentecostal church. There was a Pentecostal church of 40 members, Russians, not Kyrgyz, but Russians. So I, I got to the hotel, and I'm, I'm registering my name and that card, my passport information. God, the Spirit, told me, says, do not stay in this hotel. I put the pen down. The Bible says, as many as are led by God, the Spirit, these are sons of God. Not children of God, but sons of God. There's a difference between children and sons. Children are a liability, but sons are an asset. I got a whole teaching on it. It will bless you if you get hold of that. Uh, children, you got to hold their hands, pack him, hug him, kiss him, uh, nurture him, feed them, give him chocolates and cookies, and, and stop him crying. Uh, they're a liability. My kid, my boy, when he was little, he was so active. One day I lost him inside of our house. And we had a three-bedroom house in, uh, in uh, Tulsa. I looked everywhere. He wasn't there. The door was not open. So where is he going? It was two years old. I looked everywhere. I went to the closet. I went to the bathroom. I went to the shower. I couldn't find him. He had gone inside of our uh, cabinet, uh, the kitchen cabinet, had gone inside of a, a, a big pot. We had this big uh, Persian pot that we cooked rice with. And I put a pot on his head, another pot on his head, so we couldn't see him. And when he grew up, he was like four or five. He would put his hand against the wall and climb up straight wall. He would climb up the fridge. One day he was in the, in the, uh, in the garage, and he came with a power stapler in his hand, and he showed me his chest. There was a hole in his chest. I said, what have you done? He said, bang. <laughs> I rushed him to the hospital. They took an x-ray. The nurse said, i got to check this one out. And uh, they couldn't find anything. He was so active. He was running all over the place. One day I was fixing his thing, and I had a super glue. And the super glue got stuck, and I'm pushing it, and I'm trying to open the super glue. As I'm opening this, and I'm pressuring it, he ran and sat in front of it, and put his eyes in front of it, and that thing squirted out right into his eye. He couldn't open his eyes. I started crying. I said, oh, God, I blinded my boy. I called my doctor friends. I was shaking. I was so nervous. I called my doctor friend. He said, rinse it with water. I put his head on the water for a couple of hours. The ambulance came. They couldn't do anything. For three days, his eyes was closed. See, they're a liability. <laughs> but sons, he's, uh, he's 18 now. He goes to Pepperdine University, study film school. And he's getting so much knowledge about film and applications and stuff. He knows I love golf. 
and I haven't played golf since we moved to California. It's pretty expensive out there. And he told me the other day, he says that uh, he, he learned it. It took him about a month to learn how to write iPhone application. He said, that I got this idea. I'm going to go to this Malibu Country Club where all the celebrities, all the movie stars play. And I want to I introduce them this uh, I, I, iPhone application where all the members can hold it up against the, against the hole and the, it tells them how, how many yards to the hole for free for their members for exchange of your membership. I said, I love you, buddy. <laughs> and now he's so smart, he studied. He found there's a company in India that does it for $500. He's going to get them to do it so he doesn't spend his time on it. What is he now? He's an asset. He does, you should see some of the stuff he does for video for us, for our TV. Amazing. The stuff costs tens of thousands of dollars. I pay him $9 an hour. He said the other day, he said, Dad, that's not enough money. He said, you know, you pay $15 to these people that clean the house. I said, yeah, but you're a son. <laughs> that didn't make sense, but I, I had to use something. I had to say something. <laughs> I actually, I want to give him a raise to $13 an hour. The stuff he does costs $1,000 per second. Hallelujah. He's an asset. Are you listening to me? Sons are assets of, for God, not children. We've got 2.3 billion children, Christians, called Christians. They're a liability. You've got to have a healing crusade for them. You've got to pray every time they need something, they've got to pray. You've got to pray for them. Isn't that amazing? Our altars are full of people, Christians, being prayed for. How would you like if your kid every time needed something, went to your neighbor and asked your neighbor to talk to you about it? Healing evangelists are not for the church. They're for Muslims. They're for this dying world. But we're too caught up with ourselves. Forgive me. I, I think my time is coming up. I'm thinking, okay, I started off. Let's finish off. But uh, listen, God has given us something. And so the Lord said to me, he says, do not stay in this hotel. I put the phone down, the, guy, the pen down. The guy said, listen, you got a beautiful hotel room. I said, no, I'm not staying here. I said to my coordinator, I said, find me a room in a, in a house of a lady in the church that I could stay with, an elderly house. They found a, a, an elderly grandma, and she said, they can have my, she, can, she said, they can have, he can have my room, my house. She gave me the house and walked out and lived with her family for three days. When I was praying, the Lord spoke to me that night. First time, I'm in a Muslim state. This is a Muslim republic. Used to belong to Soviet Union. Just became independent, 1990. The Lord said to me that night, he said, he said, don't be cute with these people. He said, these are Muslims, and I'm with you tonight. Now, when he said to me, I'm with you tonight, I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. That place was packed that night. We put an ad on TV that all the blind, lame, and crippled come and see God's power. Nothing about Christians. And so I got up on that platform. I said, listen to me, everyone. Tonight I've come to bring you a good message of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach about who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. And this goofy mission is running around and telling people, don't tell Muslims Jesus is the Son of God. 
Honey, if you're selling a shoe and you're not telling me it's an Italian shoe and you ask me for $200, I'm not going to buy it from you. Get out of business. Go sell insurance, something that you can talk about. It. If you cannot tell Muslim that Jesus is the Son of God, you're in the wrong business. That's not the gospel you're preaching. I don't believe in methods. I believe in the Holy Ghost and God's Word. So I said, tonight I want to prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God and Muhammad is dead. I thought, you know what, 70 years of communism must have taken care of the Islam here. I was wrong. And I said, I said this. I knew the Lord wants to do this. I said, tonight, if blind eyes don't open and the lame don't walk, this book that I hold in my hands that is a Bible, it's a corrupt book, and together we can burn it tonight. But I'm here to prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God and Muhammad is dead. Man, that place was dead quiet. Nobody moved. I preached the message, and I didn't lay hands on nobody, so they don't say, because the words went around that a healer is in town. I'm no healer. I couldn't heal a mosquito, much less people. I'm a messenger. I'm an errand boy. I'm a postman. This goofy stuff that people talk about their ministry, my ministry, my this, my that. When did you take a claim of your ministry? It's all his. Can a postman say, this is my mail, I'm giving it to you? Nobody, you're delivering it. We paid for it. He paid for the message. He made it available for all mankind. All I'm doing is just delivering his message. That's all there is to me. I'm a servant of a living God. Hallelujah. And I'm proud of to be his servant. Love him so much. So I stood up there, just like he showed me. I wouldn't do this if he hadn't shown me. I'm not fool. I don't mess with his gospel. I said, tonight you're going to see. I preach. And I said, now, if you're sick, place one hand on the place of your sickness. And I pray. I said, Lord, show up now. All of a sudden, I heard a man crying out. He started crying out. I saw a whole crowd of people gathering over there. It was a circus arena. I said, what's going on? Bring that man up. I knew something's happening. They brought the man up. Twelve years, totally blind in both his eyes. He could see. He started seeing light. He could touch my nose, touch, grab my, my tie. A woman, seven years, totally blind, received her sight. Then I saw in one corner people throwing their crutches and walking. I said, now I'm in business. I, I became so bold. I said, I'm going to take over this city. This is the first preacher. No goofy American preachers have been here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to lay the foundation, and then I'm going to build churches. I was so bold. Second night, I stood up. The place was so packed, nobody could even move in the aisle. They had gone to a school of deaf-mute, brought a whole school of deaf-mute people, and they had their own signed person. I said, I don't like signed people signing what I'm saying. Where does that come from? They said, somebody got healed, and they went and brought their classmates. I said, we're in business. I cried out, Muhammad is dead. Jesus is the son of the living God. A man stood up five minutes until my preaching. He said, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar means an, an elderly gentleman. He had beard and the whole thing. Allahu Akbar means Allah is great. I said, shut up. I said, here is not Allah Akbar. Here is Jesus Akbar. Throw him out, I said. They took him. Our ushers took him. I had 40 ushers. So I was bold with 40 men. <laughs> These guys were rushing. They were big guys. I, I was bold. I said, take him out. Then all of a sudden, 10 of them stood up. Allahu Akbar. I said, shut up. I said, take him out. <laughs> all of a sudden, when the number of them oversee the number of our ushers, I had to shut up. I was in trouble. They all ran to the platform. They want to get hold of me, and they want to kill me right on the spot. When they attacked the platform, the first thought came to me. I said, Lord, I have no life insurance for my wife and my kids. 
Seriously, that's the first thought came to me, life insurance. I got out of that mess, and I, as soon as I got back to America, I got life insurance with my family. <laughs> Later, my wife said, you know, it was like 100000 or something. She said, uh, top it off. Just, just add some more to it. <laughs> she knows I'm in the ris- risky business. I got five more minutes on it. But listen to me. Because of that crusade, I think eight churches were established in that city. I had to run the following night. Forty Muslims fasted. They said, we will not eat and, eat and drink till we cut him into pieces. They looked in every hotel in that city and they couldn't find me. Why? Because God told me where I was supposed to be. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when they close one door to you, when they close, when they shut one door, then go to the next city. Three months later, I sent my crusaders, my coordinators back there. I said, go find me another city in that country of Kyrgyzstan. Because they whipped me, I got to go back, whip them back. I said, go back, find me another city. They went and found a city called Karakol, uh, right on the border of China. They said, you don't believe what we have come across. We've, we've came across two Kyrgyzstan men, big guys. And these guys had seen two angels of the Lord separately. They didn't know each other. The angel said to them, a man is coming in the month of May, and he's going to preach in that local stadium football stadium. Go listen to what he's got to say. Both of them got saved. They led him to the Lord before I got there. I said, have you been talking to the owner of the stadium? They said, yes, we have. And he, all he's asking you for you to pray for his daughter, for his daughter is sick. I went in the month of May. Didn't know I was going there in the month of May till I heard that word. I went in the month of May. had three-day crusade there. 20,000 Kyrgyz Muslims came to Christ in those three days. At least four kids that were born paralyzed. I put all the lame people in one side, right in front of my platform. Four kids. One of them, while I was preaching, the kid got up and walked for the first time in his life. And as a result of that, 20,000 Muslims came to Christ. You know what? God has given us that overcoming power on the inside of us. Since we started these broadcasts in Iran, I established 90 underground churches. I have lost 65 of those churches to persecution. They come and arrest. Just the other day, they walk into the, one of our leaders there that take care of several churches. They come inside. Actually, through Joel's, uh, through Brother Terry's ministry, he spread 2,500 Bibles throughout Iran. There's what demand on the Bibles. We've got tens of thousands of people are asking us for Bibles. They took, they confiscated all that he had, took it out. And they gave him a paper that he had to show up in the court, revolutionary court. He showed up there. They said, they said, we know every, they gave him a list of everyone he has ever met. They knew everything about us. They said, if there are two people, you're okay. If there's you and another person. If there is third person, that third person is going to be one from us. So much control they have over that society. And I went before the Lord the other day. I said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? They're tying up, they're tying up our hands over there. They're tying us down over there. What, what do I do? The Lord said, they persecute you in one place, go to the next. Open a base in Turkey. And I shared this with Brother Terry and Joel, and, and, and I'm praying and I believe that they're going to get involved with this project for us to start a base in Turkey, several bases, and through that spread the gospel, get hold of these believers, teach them. You know, I'm Skyping through Skype now. I've started churches in Toronto, in Florida, in Boston, in Brussels, uh, Belgium. I'm starting one in Germany, starting in Sweden, all over the place. Simultaneously, these people are on screen. I talk to them, they talk to me, and God has provided that technology for us. 
you could do the same. God has given us a burden. And if you don't have it, I pray to God that you get it. I pray to God that you get renewed your mind and get that burden. When you leave this earth, let's say there was 10 years on us. If what I'm reading is right, I say in 10 or 15 years the Lord will come back. Let's say that was, that was right. What are you taking with you out of this earth? Lord, I paid off my house in Bixby. Lord, I raised two good kids. I'm sorry I divorced my, my wife, but I got this document that says I paid for my car. What are you going to take with you to heaven? I know what I'm taking when I go. Hallelujah. So this, this is a mission conference, am I right? Yeah. So I'm not here to pat you on the back, say you're okay. I'm here to tell you we have a responsibility. Let's take care of business. That's what I say to mature people. To my son, I tell him, listen. You know, when he was a kid, he would cry for food, and I had to run. In the middle of the night, I had to run and feed him. Liability. He comes home, he says, Dad, I'm hungry. I said, okay, there's chicken there. Why don't you fix some? Fix some for yourself. Fix some for me, too. And I tell him, I said, buddy, he's 18 years of age. I said, you've got to be responsible for your act. Carry the responsibility. Amen. And that's what I'm telling you. Paul says, I couldn't feed you with meat. I had to give you milk because you're carnal. You fight with one another instead of preaching the gospel. You fuss about your problem instead of sending out, helping out these gospels that is going forth. Churches today rather spend $2 million to build a gym for their overweight members than give $200 a month to a mission that is reaching to tens of thousands of unreached people. Oh, these are the days of sorrow for the church. These are the days in the Old Testament they used to put ashes on their head and beat their chest. We can't cry like that anymore because mercy belongs to the Old Testament. New Testament, we got grace. We've got to allow the grace to work in us because it's God's grace. It's not our work. It's not my work. I just allowed that grace to operate in me. I've never lost focus since the day I got saved. I knocked on the door of Muslims. The day I understood that Jesus forgave my sins, I said, God, I want them to forgive. They work so hard to be forgiven. There is a city in Iran that make mud during the month, make mud during the month of Ramadan or Muharram, the morning month. They put these heavy mud in the middle of the winter all over their heads and all over their chest. And they beat as hard as they can on that mud. The Old Testament practice. I saw pictures of, of that in a Luristan, an unreached area. The whole city was full of mud. Everyone in the city had mud on their chest, on their eyes. On their, they had kids, little kids would put mud on their head and beat that with their hands. I said, what is it? You look at it and you woe. You woe them. But they're doing it because they, there's no other way. They don't know anything else. They want to please God. I was so hungry for God when I was a Muslim. Nobody told me that God paid the price for me. Nobody. God has given unto us the ministry and the word of reconciliation. And Paul says we're as ambassadors of God pleading, be reconciled unto God. 
I do that every day. Two hours every day on my broadcast. An hour in English, an hour in Farsi. I plead with you. I preach everything I know. So that they may be saved. I become all things to all men, that by all means some may be saved. Father, we praise you. And give you all the glory this day, this night. Thank you for waking us up to righteousness of God, rightness of God, to the truth of the Scripture. That we no longer think like the world thinks. Who am I? This little thing. What can I do? Or these people, this and that. But no, Lord, our mind is the mind of Christ. For God so loved the world. Loving these people, Father. Loving them. Hallelujah. Loving them. Tell it, say it. I love them. I love Muslims. Say it. Say, I love Muslims. It's not, their sp- it's not them. It's the spirit in them. And so we want them to get saved and delivered from that demon spirit, that spirit of fear. Father, we give you all the glory and praise and honor. As we abide in this word and understand more and more about Islam this weekend, that you expand our understanding and our spirit man, that we may obtain and receive, be corrected, be edified, be built up, be encouraged, be inspired for that which you have ahead of us. Thank you for this congregation of men and women that love you, that they are your sons and daughters, children of God. I pray they may take that position of sonship, for by faith they are sons of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you in Jesus' precious name for this night, edifying your body and encouraging them, building them up. Know that there is a task ahead of us in Jesus' precious name. Nothing surprises you, Lord. You're in control, and we know that, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.